Brock Wilson. And I'm Dave Rowe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Calgary Stampede or podcast. And today, Jock, we asked that vital sports question, is there life after football? Life after football. You know, it's interesting because some players are so good at transitioning because the career path of a pro football player is very, very short. Others, unfortunately, not so good. I mean, of course, when you ask the question, is there life after football, the answer is yeah, but sometimes it's good, sometimes mm-hmm. not so good. With the Calgary Stampeders, we've got examples of both guys who have gone on to great success in life and in business, either here or elsewhere, and then you hear the stories of guys where it just hasn't worked out well for them. They haven't been able to make that transition just to a regular working life or, or even a life that doesn't have all the structure of football. Look at the Calgary Stampeder coaching staff. You know, Devon Claybrooks, former player. Dave Dickinson, former player with this organization. Josh Bell, former player. Corey May. Go down the list. John Huffnagel, former player. Yeah. Boy, that's transitioning, is it not? Exactly. I mean, every every football player says, you say, what are you going to do when it's over? They all say, well, I'm going to coach. And uh, the Stampeders, certainly, when you look at that uh, flow chart in the organization, that's the exception rather than the rule. Right. You know, the rule is a guy like uh, Randy Chevrier, a longtime member of the Calgary Stampeders, had a stint in the NFL, You know, had a, a stint with the Edmonton Eskimos before he settled in with Calgary. This guy, he's now a member of the Calgary Fire Department. But it wasn't necessarily easy for Randy when he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. He's a rookie all over again, joining the fire department, as you mentioned, uh, Dave. And, and But here's a guy that really, really involved himself in the community, became great, you know, with the fans, and also got involved with, you know, organizations like Bach and, and, and you know, into so many charity groups. And I know you had a chance to talk to him, and he's going to be our focus today on the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. <laughs> Randy, when the career was starting to wind down, was there ever any one day where you just kind of looked at yourself or just thought to yourself, this is it, it's, it, it's over, football's done, it, it, it's time, i got to move on? Uh, not while I was playing, truthfully. I mean, I thought I could, uh, I could play for quite, some t- uh, quite a while. You know, I, I actually know I could still play if I wanted to do what I was doing, especially snapping and, and the role that I had. But, uh, I mean, for me, it really hit me for sure uh, that it was over when, you know, I had my final meeting with Huff. And, you know, even if I played a little bit after that with Saskatchewan, I knew that anything after that uh, would just be, um, you know, a bridge between football and uh, whatever the next career is. But, you know, truthfully, I had been thinking about life after football since the first day I stepped in the NFL. Uh, because the first meeting that we had with, when I was with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and I flew in for minicamp, uh, the first thing that was said is, you know, welcome to the NFL. From this day forward, we're trying to replace you. And uh, that, those words uh, uh, by Frank Gans, actually his son, I believe, coaches in Hamilton now, uh, Frank Gans' words rang in my ears every day of my football career and I think uh, in, in one sense, it's kind of what allowed me to play so long because, you know, I always had that in the back of my head that, you know what, I'm replaceable. And if I take even a day off, uh, you know, someone's coming to get my spot. But at the same time, knowing that, uh, I always tried to prepare for life after football, you know, whether it's uh, different types of careers or work experiences that I tried to do in the off season. So I've always prepared for it. Uh, I, yeah, to be truthful, I don't think I was ever ready for it, 
But, uh, you know, I think that's the journey of every athlete. Is it uh, was it a struggle in in a sense? I mean, I know like I've known you a long time, and you've never struck me as a guy. And there's a, a lot of people involved, whatever the sport is, that define themselves as an athlete, as a hockey player, as as a football player. And when that ends, they they have to come to a grip, grips with a a big part of their identity going away. Is that something you had to deal with? Oh, absolutely, Dave. I'll tell you, I um, you know, like I said, I I thought. I was getting ready, you know, I did, I did so many things in the off season. You never want to be defined by what you do or who you are. And I think most people identify me as who I am and not necessarily what I do, but what I did defined a lot of everything, uh, every decision I made in life, you know, whether it was, uh, uh, you know, not being able to attend family events because I had football games, not being able to, to do certain things because I was in training, certain decisions I made to make sure that I was still training. All this kind of defined, uh, you know, how I lived. And basically, I was a football player. You know, I, I the calendar of the football season going from, you know, training camp to, you know, the uh, to, to the season, to the playoffs, to you know, getting ready, gearing up for, for the offseason again, and all that uncertainty, that was all comfortable to me. Uh, and, it, and, and it was the known. And, you know, anything other than that uh, was unknown. And so, um, you know, it was tough, especially because, you know, I thought I was prepared. And, and even when, with all the, the skills and, and sort, of, um, uh, sort of career uh, growth that I underwent outside of football, you know, whether it was teaching or I did mortgages or, you know, I did some work on the radio or TV, newspaper, like all these things I did, I thought, okay, when it ends, I think I'll have enough on my plate and have amassed enough skills that I'll be ready. And boy, was I wrong. Um, you know, even though I knew I wanted to get into the fire department, which is what I'm doing now, even at that, it was a very tough transition. And I always think about the guys who don't do anything for their whole f- football career and then have to transition. And I think, man, it was tough on me. I couldn't imagine how it is on them. You know, lucky are the very few that, you know, go from the playing field to the coaching mic. Uh, but it's very few. You know, you see some great examples like Dave Dickinson and, and Devon Claybrooks and Josh Bell and Corey Mace that get, you know, wonderful opportunities to coach straight from playing and never really have to experience that uh, withdrawal from the game. But, you know, for 99.9% of the guys that ever played, those few years can be really tough following your last, uh, your last season for sure. I mean, playing football obviously is, uh, you know, is, is a lot of fun. And, you know, your teammates, it's, you know, in a way you don't really have to grow up. But what, what's the hardest part of transitioning away from that? Is it, you know, the, the loss of competition or the, just the loss of structure? You know, the, the fact that, you know, when, as you say, when you're a football player, you know, so much is defined in terms of your schedule. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a little bit of everything, but I think what really hits you is, you know, unless, you know, there, there's a few guys that I've seen over my career that sort of nor- nurtured two careers at once, and, and this, the transition was a little more seamless for them. But, you know, like 
I'll tell you again, I'll take myself for instance. You know, I, I did a lot of things in the off season, but football was my bread and butter. Uh, it was all, you know, if, if it was ever a conflict or ever anything, you know, my training for football always took precedence. And that's how I approached it. And I said, uh, you know, I want to be a football player more than I wanted to do any of these other things at the moment. And, uh, you know, the, the, the conflict is, can I do anything as well as I did football? Can I function, uh, you know, as anything other than what I do? And I know it sounds silly because you think, well, you played professional football, you went to the NFL, you did all those things, for sure there's something you can do. But again, it's, it's you know, reinventing yourself. Uh, you know, for my myself, it was 16 years in, you know. My teaching degree that I had gotten 15 or 16 years earlier felt like a distant memory. You know, even though I had been substitute teaching, you know, substitute teaching is nowhere near being in a classroom for a full year. And you, and you, you question, like, can I even do that stuff? And, um, and, and I'm sure the journey for every guy is the same thing. It's, you know, the discomfort and the, the you know, football is a pretty nasty business. You know, it's, it's not fun. The game is great. But the business of it, you know, living year to year with a noose around your neck, wondering if you had a job and wondering if you're going to be even on the radar come training camp or if you're going to get an opportunity, all that was more comfortable than wondering, well, is there anything out there that I'll ever be good at that would light the fire under me like football did? And that's a tough feeling, and I know every guy goes through that. And, you know, there's been a lot of success stories with the Stampeders. I mean, you know, like the Stamps have a guy, you know, em- employed just to help counsel players about life after football and, and about developing job and, and, and life skills, which I think is something every team should do. But, you know, were, were there guys that you really worried about in your career, just wondering what's going to happen to this guy when it's over? Oh, there's a lot of guys. I mean, we hear a lot of horror stories of guys wind up down on their luck, uh, you know, and it's, it's for me, it was, I, you know, I spent the, I guess the better part of my last five years with the stamps, uh, you know, just talking to guys all the time, you know, like I, you know, when you, when you, when you wind up at the bottom of the roster and you're a long sniper and you kind of share a locker in the back corner with the kickers, you don't get to too many meetings with a lot of players. So you, you miss out on a lot of opportunities for that team bonding type stuff. Cause you know, really we operated a little bit on an Island, but you know, I made sure I was hung out in the gym and in the steam room and in the players' lounge, and just, you know, have these one-on-one conversations with the guys to let them know, you know what, you've got to think about these things. You don't have to focus on it primarily, but, you know, I would always tell guys this, uh, you know, in the off-season, get a job. Even if it's the worst job you can get, get it. At least you know what you don't like. And, you know, I, I, I was with the Stamps for 11 years, and I think in 11 years I probably hit about, I don't know, 10 or 11 different types of jobs. Some of them I realized right away I could never do. And some of them I thought, oh, this would be cool if I can if I can nurture that into a career afterwards. And that didn't always work out. But I always said with the CFL, we have the opportunity for six months to do some things that can build our skill set and, you know, make us a little bit more self-aware. Because the worst thing for a guy is, you know, which happens to a ton of guys, you know, everything's going well, they're playing football, they're making some good dough. Uh, and then all of a sudden it ends. And no one calls, and no one calls. And next thing you know, you've got to take the first job that hits. And sometimes that first job that hits is the last job you have because now you got bills to pay, and you don't have the opportunity to try different things or to to 
to study, to apprentice, to, uh, you know, to, to take on an internship. So, you know, I always made it my kind of mission the last few years there to really just reach out to guys and have these uh, candid conversations. And I have a lot of guys that still call me about that, which is really cool because, you know, just uh, just the other day, Charleston News reached out to me. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he's looking into firefighting and J. Michael Dean, a bunch of guys that, you know, you might not be the, the guy that's at the front of the party when everyone's celebrating, but they remember you as a person that cares about them. And I always hope that we can pass on that message because, you know, that's what was passed on to me when I first uh, got into CFL. I'll never forget Leo Gronwagen in the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, you know, he's a farmer, a pharmacist or a medical sales rep or pharmaceutical sales rep while he was, you know, an all-star CFL offensive lineman. And he always said, he said, you'd be stupid not to work while you're in the CFL. You know, you can bank some money. If you live smart and you, you don't blow it all, you can do a really good job and set yourself up and, create these skills and I'll never forget his words and I always tried to be that guy for the guys in the locker room once once I felt like I had a little bit more of a leadership position and just uh, one last thing to wrap up what about just uh, involvement with the game and, and with the team I mean we see the full gamut here you see guys who leave and immediately jump in with the alumni and you know you always see them at games and things and then you see other guys I'm thinking of Rob Cote who says you know I, I'm going to take a conscious break I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to stay away from this while while I move on with my life is, is that a decision that you had to look at for yourself? Well, you know, I, I love CFL and I love the stamps. And truthfully, you know, um, in the last year, like, the, you know, the career path I took was with the Calgary Fire Department. And the last year was one of the toughest years of my life. Um, you know, doing training for the fire department, getting through my first year of probation was really tough. And uh, I, I think I, was, I watched three games last year. And uh, that's about all I had time for. It literally was one of the toughest most time-consuming things I've ever been through. Uh, so, you know, last year wasn't uh, purposely uh, disconnecting from the game, but I do definitely feel like I was disconnected from the game. This year I'm trying to sort of, it's kind of like a triage of things you want to take care of. You know, now that the games are on and I have a little bit more time, now I'm, you know, I'm prioritizing doing things with my family before watching the games because, you know, I think they deserve a little bit more of my time. And so if the game's on, but we got family stuff, I, you know, I'm not always watching. But I have been watching a few games. I think I watched uh, about three games this year. And, you know, I love being involved. And uh, I also, uh, Dave Dickinson reached out to me before training camp, and he asked if I would come in and talk to the guys um, about uh, football, about adversity, uh, about the fire department, and how some of our core values relate, uh, and sort of how that camaraderie and teamwork builds within a hall and how it helps to get the job done and and it's so relatable to what the team is trying to do and for me that was a huge honor you know to 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 have Dave entrust you know 15 minutes of training camp time to to kind of just have an impactful moment with the guys uh was it was, it was very special for me and you know I I, I took that uh, that honor very seriously and uh, you know it was nice to meet the guys and talk to them and and uh, so that was a very nice way to be reconnected with the team. And, you know, as time goes forward, I do want to reconnect with the alumni. I know they have the golf tournament going on, and, uh, you know, I kind of missed out this year. But, you know, I'm just slowly trying to get my life settled and do some normal guy things. And then uh, 
once I can figure that stuff out, then, uh, you know, we'll branch out a little bit from there. But, yeah, eventually I'd love to come back and, and help out the team in some fashion if I can. You know, I've already offered to kill him if he ever needs help with some long snapping stuff. I can take a stop in one day and help the guys and, you know, anything I can do. But, you know, everything in due time. You know, I, have a, I guess I have a long life ahead of me, so <laughs> it'll come. Randy, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. You take care of yourself. Appreciate you, Dave. Thanks, and have a great day. One thing I liked uh, that Randy said that is, is really important for all of these guys, he talked about his education degree for McGill. Now, you'd think that would be useful to set you up for a career. Randy's uh, sport career was so long. He says, you know, I'm not sure this degree is relevant anymore. And that's something else that guys have to look at when they're coming out of football, even if they did get a degree mm-hmm. and they do have a business that they want to go in. You know, they're five, six, seven years behind their peer group, their classmates, because they went on and did something else when their peer group got out of school and went straight to work. Well, you know, it's interesting, and you talk about transitioning after football, Dave, and, and there are so many great success stories. You know, I, I can think of Scotty Coe. We had him earlier on a Calgary Stampeder podcast. Dave Sapunges. Uh, Dave, Dave Sapunges is a great, great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talk about a couple of offensive linemen, you know, Rocco Romano, Jeff Pilon, you know, in the oil patch, and, and one's in the lacrosse world. Uh, but probably the biggest success story, because if you really want to get into the uh, Canadian in football league. What about Randy Ambrosi, the former Calgary Stampeder? He goes into the business world and now the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. It's even better than coaching. <laughs> it's even better than coaching because you are telling the coaches what to do. Your name is on the football. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Stampeder podcast. A great job with Randy Chevrier. If you like the show, please take a few minutes to rate it and please leave a comment. Hey, if you really like the show, tell a friend because that's really important to us. We have a new show, new topic every single week. And of course, you can find us at your favorite podcast locations, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn and our website, Global News Radio 770 CHQR.